All right. Well, hey, good morning again. Welcome to church. My name is Tad Anderson. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at uh, Mosaic Church. And just on behalf of our church family, we are glad you're uh, here today to worship Jesus with us. Uh, have a few announcements for us. The first one is this. Um, we are officially changing our name, and we are in the process of rebranding from Mosaic Church to the Hub City Church. Um, and that is actually officially uh, done administratively in that sense with Department of State. But it's, it's really a long story on the reason why. The simplest explanation is that we don't want our name to be a hindrance to anyone coming through our doors to hear the gospel. And we know that uh, the name Mosaic has been confusing historically. I won't get into all of that now, but it has been confusing to some folks. Um, the Hub City Church is not confusing. Uh, we are a local expression of Jesus' church for the Hub City, Crestview. Um, our vision is staying exactly the same because um, we're the same church, <laughs> striving to make disciples who believe the gospel, abide in Christ, and obey God's word, all right? Uh, so I just wanted to get that out there just so you know. Uh, if you've not heard that, you heard it today. So we are in, the, in that process right now. Um, we're rolling on that, doing a lot of administrative changeover stuff, and um, planning to relaunch on the week of Easter. So uh, a few things that you might want to know uh, are, are these things. Number one, uh, we do have merch, I got church merch uh, available to pre-order if you'd like to do that, t-shirts, hats. Uh, we'll also have a few other things, pins, uh, which we will not charge you for. Please just don't steal them all. Um, <laughs> the, the pins in the back slowly go away, you know what I mean? So anyway, just don't take them all on the first day, but uh, decals for your car, your stainless steel cup or whatever, you know, just anything you want to slap it on, just don't, uh, don't um, ruin public property and things like that. Uh, we'll have some, you know, journals and things like that with our logo. Okay, so make sure to check our app and social media if you'd like to pre-order any of the clothing items. Uh, a reason you might want to do that would be if you want to be um, sure that you have what, your si what you need and your size um, for April 1st when we have our annual Easter in, in Twin Hills Park outreach. That would be a great time to wear that stuff uh, as we're serving our community together and inviting folks to celebrate the resurrection of Christ with us. Okay, um, the second thing is we are going to have a totally separate, uh, oh, let there be light, okay, uh, we're going to have a totally separate uh, work schedule from our uh, spring schedule over the next month for things that we'll be getting done around the building. So uh, you can look out for that, but let me just simplify it for you. Um, it's going to be every Saturday. Uh, of March from 8 a.m. until uh, whenever we've had enough uh, for the day, uh, and then every Tuesday evening from about 6 to 8 p.m. or so. Again, please check social media. Uh, we'll keep you updated on different projects we're working on. Um, and not only would we love for you to um, uh, jump in and help us with all of that, uh, getting all that done, but we also need all hands on deck for this. Uh, if you're handy, please come on out. Uh, use your talents because uh, you don't want me building or repairing anything, okay? Um, I can assure you of that. Uh, if you're not handy, then still come and you can be on the touch of the paint touch-up crew with me, okay? Uh, that's probably all they'll want me doing. Um, but anyway, there's something for everyone. 
So that's the kind of the big announcement. The next one is today after service, uh, we are having Partner Up Sunday. If you'd like to make uh, Mosaic slash the Hub City Church your home church, this is the first step of that process. So hang around. Uh, we'll be here for about 45 minutes after the service and in this room here. <clears throat> we'll share our, our vision, our structure to kind of uh, help you understand why we're doing what we're doing here in, in Crestview. Uh, and then we'll get you kind of signed up for the next steps of making uh, this church your church. There will be childcare and there will be snacks. So we've got everything covered, okay? Um, also, next Sunday, uh, we'll be having a hospitality team interest meeting. Uh, if you're currently on the hospitality team or you've just started serving on the hospitality team or if you would like to serve on the hospitality team, we would like for you to join us for this meeting. We'll share the values of that team and really just the importance of hospitality uh, in the life of our church. My wife leads that team, so she would love to get you on board uh, and get you on the Sunday morning serve rotation. All right. Uh, and the final thing is we are having child dedications coming up. That's on March 12th, and we'll have sign up. Uh, available for that on the Church Center app if you'd like to um, dedicate uh, a new baby or something like that. We'd love to pray with you and partner with you um, as you commit to raise your kids in the love and admonition of the Lord. Okay, so uh, lots of good stuff, more to come. Uh, if you want to um, you know, know what else there is, our spring schedule is on, on our app and on, the, on social media accounts, outreach, night of worship, Easter Sunday, a lot, but it's all really good stuff. We hope you'll uh, plan to join us for. All right. Now we can continue on. Uh, today, uh, in our sermon series through the book of Proverbs called Get Wisdom. And uh, really, Proverbs is such an important book, uh, and we've been doing our best to lay the groundwork over these first few weeks in the series. First, uh, we contrasted the difference between wisdom and folly. And then last week, Pastor Tristan did a fantastic job explaining the concept of Fear of the Lord, which we learned um, is literally the beginning of wisdom. That's what the Bible tells us. And then so today we're going to address another very foundational concept to growing in wisdom, which is the concept of the heart. The heart. All right. So uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover and a small, small amount of time to cover it in. So let's, uh, let's pray and we'll, we'll dive in. Father. Thank you for this day and the many blessings of life that you just continually pour out to us by your grace alone. But most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gospel, which is why we are gathered here this morning as the people who you have ransomed and redeemed for yourself, for your glory, by the unfathomable sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But now, Lord, as we open your word and we, we move around uh, in it a good bit today, we, we ask that you would mightily help us by the illumination of your spirit to begin to grasp the concept of the heart. God, we, we see that among biblical principles, this one is critical for us to grasp in order for us to grow in wisdom as the others that we've discussed so far in this series have been. So please, God, please help me to speak clearly. And where I am incapable of doing justice to the weight and complexity of these things, would you just do the work for me 
in the hearts and minds of those listening. My desire, as always, Lord, is, is absolutely not to exalt myself, but to be humble before you and to serve them, these men and women who are here, to be instructed in the truths of your word. I pray that I would decrease today and that love for and joy in Christ might increase among us as a church family today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, it's, uh, it's pretty common knowledge that we live in um, the most prosperous and free country, not only in the world, but in human history. And because of that, there are a lot of amazing blessings that we take for granted every day of our lives. Like, for instance, on, on the very worst day of your life in America, it will not be a question in your mind of whether or not you'll have clean water to drink, cook, and, and bathe. In fact, uh, we have clean water in such abundance that we dump thousands upon thousands of gallons of it out on our grass uh, because we just like green grass or to wash our car or our dog. Um, but that is not the case everywhere in the world. Did you know that there are an estimated 2 billion people in the world uh, so like a, I don't know, like a quarter of the world's population, living without consistent access to clean water. Because of that, there are uh, more than 220 million people who get sick every year from the unclean water that they have to drink, and nearly 1 million people who die from the complications of sickness from the use of unclean water. That's crazy to us. We cannot imagine that. And this is why you, you might know that a very common way that Christian missions organizations seek to get the gospel to people who live in regions of the world who don't have access to clean water is by drilling wells in their, in their villages so they can have access to something um, so foundational that we take for granted. Access to clean water literally changes the trajectory of people's lives who live in impoverished countries because um, so much of their time before having uh, a clean well is devoted to traveling long distances just to secure water for the day. So access to clean water, a clean water source prolongs people's lives. It eliminates the risk of sickness that we talked about, and it gives opportunities to them uh, to use their time for more productive things, right? So it's, it, it's huge. We don't even uh, really consider this often, but access to something as simple as an abundance of clean water, well, uh, it's critical to our lives. And I start off by telling you this because of the key verse I want us to think about today concerning the biblical concept of the heart um, if you don't know this verse well, you should remember it from here on. You should memorize it. It's Proverbs 4, 23 that says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Some translations say, for it is the wellspring of life. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Whatever the heart is, biblically, um, it's not talking about the, the physical organ in your chest. It's talking about something at the very center of your being, and thus you should guard it fiercely because the state of it is going to affect 
everything else about your life. Okay. Just like the state of our water. If our water source is polluted, then our lives are going to be filled with difficulty, sickness, and death. The same is true of the heart. A polluted and unclean heart before the Lord is going to lead to an unwise life full of spiritually messy and disordered living, despair, and eventual death. Whereas a clean heart before God is a fountain of life and wise dealings before God and man. Listen to what Jesus says of the heart. This is very helpful in Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. This is a parable. He's not talking about horticulture. He's talking about people. Listen to what he says next That when he clarifies here. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks seems like um seems like Jesus might have known proverbs 423 what do you think i think he wrote it um so with all this let's Let's get a, a working definition on uh, the heart so we can start kind of digging down, excavating uh, into it. Honestly, the, the best definition of the heart that I have ever heard comes uh, not from me, <laughs> from pastor and author Paul Tripp. He says, the heart is the causal core of your personhood. It's the seat of your thoughts emotions, desires, and motivations. It is the worship center of yourself. The heart is the reason you do the things you do and say the things that you say. You and I literally live out of our hearts. Now, I did this for today's sermon, but if you want to do a little Bible word study after this on the word heart and just read all the verses that come up in your Bible with that term, you are going to find that Trip has nailed it. Okay, I don't know that it could be explained in any better modern terms. The heart is the causal core of your personhood. It's the seat of your thoughts, emotions, desires, and motivations. It's the worship center of yourself. It's why you do the things you do and say the things you say. So with that level of importance, here is my kind of overarching point, kind of the main idea of my sermon, if you will, um, that will direct the rest of this discussion Biblically speaking, the heart is the causal core of your personhood, and thus, those who want to live wisely must strive to understand it. Okay. Now, that's, that's not rocket science, is it? 
Okay, all right. Um, if Paul Tripp is right in his scriptural definition and all of our thoughts and emotions and desires and motivations are coming out of one central spiritual place, if you will, um, we, we ought to try to get a handle on that, right? Okay. Let's try to get a jump on that process then this morning. Uh, we've defined the heart. We've emphasized the importance of it. So I want to break the rest of this talk into two sections. Understanding the heart and then guiding and guarding the heart. All right, so let's, let's go. Understanding the heart. Um, there's a lot to it. Let's drill down on three main things. Number one on understanding the heart. You ready? It's deep. <laughs> it's deep. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Proverbs 18, 4 says, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Jesus tells us, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can see the tie between these two verses, right? The, the point is about the heart, it's deep. Uh, there's a lot to it. Okay, there's a lot to it. Um, if you hope to walk out of this sermon fully understanding your own heart, let me just go ahead and uh, crush that notion. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen, friend. All right? Understanding the heart is a lifelong process. Now, I'm not saying that to discourage you because you have to start somewhere. But just know, learning about the human heart in general, but more specifically, learning about your own heart, it is a painstaking, humbling, and lengthy process. All right? I love the imagery of deep waters. You know, they say we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the bottom of the ocean. Um, there's some weird, mysterious stuff happening down there. If you've uh, seen those pictures and videos on uh, the Discovery Channel or whatever, right, on Netflix shows or whatever, um, the, the same is true about your heart. If you want to understand it, you're going to go to some great depths and you're going to encounter some weird, mysterious and sometimes scary stuff, all right? But that is what is required for anyone who wants to understand their own heart in the way that God explains it in his word. Um, I, I quoted the well-known cultural theologian, uh, Taylor Swift, a few weeks ago. And so this morning, I'm going to do that again. Um, in her most recent hit, uh, Antihero, she says... I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. Now, I'm not saying, not advocating for you, listening to Taylor Swift in place of reading the Bible. Please understand me, okay? Um, but that song honestly has a lot of great descriptions of how sin and folly work. Here's the point. A fool does not want to understand their own heart. They would rather metaphorically stare at the sun directly than into a mirror and actually see who they are. 
Proverbs 27, 19 says, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects the man. You see, the more you understand the depths of your own heart, the more that you will objectively understand yourself and your life as it truly is. But be warned. Be warned. This is not for the faint of heart. This is not something for the faint of heart. It's not easy. It's deep. That's the first thing about the heart. Here's the second thing. It is not naturally pure. Okay? It's not naturally pure. Uh, Let me read a series of biblical texts to you to help you understand what I mean. In Genesis 6, 5, so in like the beginning of the Bible, it says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Ouch. Okay, Proverbs 20, verse 9. Uh, Who can say, I've made my heart pure, I'm clean from my sin? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Matthew 15, verses 18 and 19. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Those are Jesus' words. Listen, guys, um, most of us have grown up in a culture saturated with Disney theology, okay? Uh, Where the central tenet is, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Now, that advice, follow your heart, is based on the presupposition (laughs) that your heart at its greatest depth is pure and good. But look right at me. It's not. It's not. Did did you just hear all the scripture verses? There's more, okay? Um, The prophet Jeremiah says, don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful, okay? It's sick. God himself uh, addressed, he assessed the heart of mankind in Genesis 6. He said, every intention of the thoughts of man's heart is only evil continually. That is unequivocal language, all right? There is no wiggle room in that one. You might think, well, I'm different. (laughs) Nope. He's speaking generally about humanity, not one man, okay? He's speaking about all men. And, And not only does he say that your evil thoughts are bad, but he says, Every intention of the thoughts of man. So he's, he's saying that even when man is trying to do good on his own, his motives are bad. And if you try to say, well, okay, well, that was back then, right? Well, <laughs> he tacks on the word continually to the end, okay? This is hard truth, I know. Um, we, 
we want to believe the best about our hearts. But actually, the Bible says, don't be naive. Don't be naive. We should be suspicious of our hearts, lest we be deceived by them. And maybe you're thinking, okay, Tad, but you know, doesn't, doesn't Jesus help us with that? Yes, he does. And we're going to get there, I promise you. But we need to understand the bad news first so that we can fully grasp the goodness of the good news. The bad news is, apart from Christ, our hearts are bad, totally bad. They pump out dirty water, polluted with the deadly disease of sin. And not only are our hearts impure, but they are deceitful. And so they, they try to convince us that they are pure when they're not. Okay, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. That's what the heart does. It pumps out bad, and it makes us think we're good. And then Disney puts music to it, and we're hooked, right? Like If it weren't for the Word of God, we would all go singing and, and skipping to Moana right off the cliff, okay? I love Moana. Anyway, but the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says, if you want to be a Christian, and you want to understand your heart, you're going to have to wake up and look in the mirror. Following your heart has gotten you into more messes than you would like to remember. Stop following your heart. Instead, guard your heart. And follow Jesus. Okay. Okay, these are tough truths. Let's go one more. The heart is deep. The heart is not naturally pure. And number three, the heart is highly impressionable. It's highly impressionable. Let me show you what I, what I mean again. We're going to weave a lot of text together for you to get the picture here. Um, so I apologize for how quick we're moving. These are in the app if you want to follow along and hopefully on the screen if they can keep up. Proverbs 3.3, 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Proverbs 7.25, speaking to men about a promiscuous woman. Let not your heart Turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but it is a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Proverbs 23, 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Proverbs 23, 17. Let not your heart Envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Proverbs 23, 19, hear my son and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So do you see what I mean when I say that the heart is highly impressionable? 
Cool. All right. Great. Um, <laughs> um, it, it's susceptible to being led by anyone and anything. Um, my, my family was walking through Walmart the other day, and just being real, um, anytime we go to Walmart with all four kids, it's tough to keep track of them. And so I try to fit as many as I can in and on the cart. All right. <laughs> But on this particular day, Piper, my youngest, my three-year-old, she refused to ride in the cart. She wanted to walk, and she made it clear she did not want to hold my hand. Okay, So literally, for several aisles, four, maybe five aisles, I let her try that. Um, we would be taking a few steps, and I would look beside me to check on her, and she had turned into the aisle that we just passed and is now looking at things on that aisle. Okay? Um, so I would uh, go and take her hand, say, come on, Piper, let's stay with the family, okay? Uh, and she would pull her hand away from me and start walking with us again. We'd pass the next aisle, and she turns again, okay? Five times, all right, before I made her hold my hand, right? Friends, our hearts are like a three-year-old in Walmart, Okay, You cannot let your heart go wherever and do whatever it wants. It will go astray, like every of the time. Okay, You need to lead your heart, not let it lead you. Okay? Because we we already explained, it's it's not naturally pure. It will not naturally abide in Christ. This is why in the, I love this hymn, the famous hymn, we just sang this morning, Come Thou Fount, there's that super relatable line, we repeated it, thank you Josh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. (laughs) Because anyone who has begun to understand their hearts feels this. They feel it. I'll never forget one time when Graham, my oldest son, he's probably five or so at this point. We were uh, were at the Destin Commons waiting in the van for Amy. Um, It's a common experience for us. And... uh, uh, sorry, Amy. Love you. Um, anyway, uh, on the wall, okay, on the building in front of us, there was a, I had not thought about this, there was a 20-foot tall um, Victoria's Secret model, okay? No more detail required. And Graham said, Graham said, Dad, it feels like my heart wants me to look at that, and I don't think I'm supposed to. Naturally, I did what any dad who cares for the soul of his son would do. I pulled out of that spot, (laughs) and I parked in the opposite direction. Friends, listen to the counsel of a five-year-old. Your heart is deep. It is not naturally pure. It is highly impressionable. And if you will just stop for a minute to listen to it, you'll realize that it tells you, to look at and think about and say and do 
many things that run contrary to the word and the will of God. Okay, so what are we to do about this really important part of ourselves that we can't remove, the causal core of our personhood? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's what comes next in my notes. Um, We've been having some trouble with my wife's van for about a year now. We've dumped thousands of dollars into keeping it running. And the last time something happened uh, a few weeks ago, Amy was like, that's it. Throw it away. (laughs) Get a new one. (laughs) We didn't do that because we don't have the money. (laughs) But back to the discussion at hand, when it comes to guiding and guarding the heart, first things first, you need a new one. You need a new heart. Okay, Um, if no one has ever told you this before, let me break it to you right now. Your heart does not need a tune-up. It's totaled, okay, irreparable. It cannot be salvaged. If, If all of the scriptures we've read about the state of the human heart were not clear enough, listen to what God says through the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 36. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Get this, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Okay. Um, The reality is, and I know I say this all the time, Christianity is not a self-help method. Okay, Christianity is not a self-help method, uh, and I'm not a motivational speaker. If I am, I'm a bad one, I think. Um, But um, (laughs) my objective in teaching the Bible is, is not primarily for you to have an easier life. My main objective is for you to have the eyes of your heart opened to the gospel, to who Jesus is as your Lord, Savior, and King, and for you to go from spiritual death into spiritual life. That's my goal. Because if that happens, okay, uh, I, I'm not saying your life is necessarily going to be a lot easier. It might if you've been totally wrecking your life with sin, but it will definitely have a, your life will definitely have a new sense of abiding peace and fulfillment that it never had before Christ. Okay? This series in Proverbs is meant to be intensely practical, but without a spiritual heart transplant, The Proverbs, while they may be of some temporary value, will ultimately not provide life for you, okay? You need a new heart. Because what does God say to Ezekiel? He says, once he removes that stupid, sinful, dead heart of stone and gives you a living, Holy Spirit-indwelt heart of flesh... Then, then 
that will cause you to walk in his statutes and be careful to obey his rules. Um, So uh, a new heart from the Lord is going to be wired to soak up his word and his wisdom. Okay, (laughs) That's why you need a new one. But how do you get this new heart? How do you get this new heart? Jesus tells us in John 3, he's speaking to Nicodemus. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So the process of getting a new heart is an aspect within a larger process of getting an entirely new life. Okay? And it starts with a new birth. Okay? Starts with a new birth. Paul Tripp would agree, wouldn't he? He said, we literally live out of our hearts. So how do you do this? How can you be born again and become the next recipient of a spiritual heart transplant? How can you do that? Well, that's a great question. But if that's your question, here is my answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the Holy Spirit does that. He just does it. I've been a Christian for 12 years, teaching the Bible in some capacity for 10, and pastoring for 5, and I still don't fully know intricately how people get new hearts. So um, I'm sorry that I can't tell you that because the Bible doesn't tell us. These are the secret things of God that he doesn't tell us. Only he knows. However, here is what I can tell you that might be of some help. Okay. While I cannot give you any practical way to get a new heart for yourself, I can tell you what it's like when God gives us a new heart. Here's here's what that looks like to get a new heart. If you go from not particularly caring about what God has to say about your life to all of a sudden caring a lot about what God has to say, and if you find yourself realizing that you are a sinner who is in desperate need of the grace of God to rescue you from yourself, and if you find yourself believing that Jesus is, came and lived the perfect life for you and he died on the cross to atone for all your sin and that he was resurrected to prove that he truly is the son of God. And if you find yourself inexplicably affirming from the teachings of the Bible that Jesus is your savior and your Lord and that all of a sudden you just trust him, and you desire to follow him for the rest of your life, if that happens, if those things happen, then congratulations. You've been the recipient of a new heart. (laughs) You've been the recipient of a new heart. You were dead, and now you're alive. You were in rebellion against God, and now you're at peace with God. You were blind, and now you can see. You were a lost and helpless orphan, but now you are a blood-bought, adopted son or daughter of God. (laughs) Amen. And that 
is the first step of guiding and guarding your heart. Friends, what God, you need to understand this, what God desires of our hearts, we are helpless to produce on our own. It's impossible what God wants from our hearts for, for us to do it. We, we can't do it. He has to supply it. Jesus says that the greatest commandment, maybe you know this, Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God with all your what? Heart, Heart soul, mind, strength. We can't do that with the hearts that we're born with, can we? We can't do that with the hearts that we are born with. You need a new heart. We have to be born again. We have to have a heart transplant. And only then can we give back to God what he requires of us, which is total, undivided love. So if, if that has happened to you or um, if, if you feel like that's happening to you, like God is changing you from the inside out and causing you to desire to, to follow Jesus, please let us know. Please let us know that. If, if that's the case, we would love to walk with you. We, there's a lot of people here who have had um, spiritual heart transplants. Okay? We've got some experience with that. So um, if that's happening to you, we want to walk with you through that. It's a celebratory thing. We want to celebrate it. But it's also the first step in the process to guarding and guiding your heart in the way of wisdom. If you want to guard and guide your heart, that's the first thing. You need a new heart <laughs> uh, that can be guided and guarded. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing you need to know. Even new hearts require constant instruction and inspection by ourselves, trustworthy friends, and the Lord. Let me show you why I say that. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It's another well-known, memory-worthy verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there's no guidance... A people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. Proverbs 21.2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I, I, I said this, um, I've said this every week that I've taught so far on Proverbs um, true wisdom is enmeshed with humility. Okay? True wisdom is enmeshed with humility. New hearts from the Lord are humble hearts. New hearts are hearts that not only need to be instructed and inspected, but that want to be instructed and inspected. Okay? When, when someone is born again as a Christian, the the folly of pride takes a mortal blow when we die to our old selves and become alive in Christ. 
All right? No longer are we people under the illusion of thinking that we have it all together. No longer are we people who scoff at the prospect of needing some help. Okay? The wisdom of a new believing regenerate heart is a wisdom that knows it needs help every minute, every hour, every day. And so first of all, we need instruction and inspection that's directed by ourselves. That means disciplining ourselves, friends, to be in the word and in prayer every day, preaching the gospel to ourselves, as some have said, like David in Psalm 103 that I read this week. Listen to David inspecting and instructing himself in Psalm 103. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. So David is reminding his own heart, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, heart. Don't forget how good he is, soul. Don't forget how much you need him. Don't forget to rely on his promises. We need to instruct ourselves like this. Okay? It happens in the word and in prayer. But we also need instruction and heart inspection by others. The truth is we all have blind spots, things that other people are able to see about us really well that we tend to overlook. Proverbs says, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And so the more people we have in our lives who are wise and following Jesus, who we will allow, this is an important piece here, people who we will allow to speak into our lives, the better. Even when they tell us things about ourselves that are not exactly flattering. Proverbs 9 says, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. This is pretty profound in our culture. Fools despise wisdom. But if someone has received a new heart and the inclination to wisdom that goes with it, then they begin to love for people to give them helpful instruction. Right? Wise people want to be told when they're doing something incorrectly so they can fix it and grow spiritually. Okay. Now, it's not always easy to be reproved, but it is good for us. It is good for us. And finally, I think this one is the most obvious, but our hearts have a continual need to be instructed and inspected by the Lord himself. If you're a Christian then you have the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> and I trust you know what this is like. Let me paint a picture for you. You're minding your own business, just reading the Bible, and he stops you on something. <laughs> and he says, that's for you. That's for you. You need to think about that. Or you need to apply that to yourself and repent of that sin or believe that promise or love that person, or serve in that way. For those who have been born again and have new hearts, God is constantly instructing us in wisdom through his word by his spirit. That's how that happens, okay? And we're thankful for it. 
Amen? We're thankful for it. Scripture says God is our Father, and so He chastises us for our good. He disciplines us and keeps bringing us to deeper and deeper repentance and submission to His rule and reign over our lives. And we grow to be so thankful for it. So thankful for it. We don't ever want to get out from underneath his lordship, right? Because we know if we are left to our own devices and if we lean on our own understanding, we will totally bungle our lives, okay? And so like the psalmist, we trust the Lord and we pray, Lord, search me, test my heart, Show me where I need to grow wiser and be in greater alignment with your will, right? All right, we're going to wrap this up. Let's recap. In order to guard and guide our hearts, first things first, we need a new heart, okay? That means we have, we've got to be born again, okay? And we've got to start following Jesus. But then we have to understand Even new hearts require constant instruction and inspection by ourselves, trustworthy friends, and the Lord. Okay, but finally, Tim Keller was instrumental to me landing on this wording. Ultimately, the best and most important way to guard and guide our hearts is through the intentional worship of Jesus. Okay. The best and most important way to guard and guide our hearts is through the intentional worship of Jesus. Okay. One last time, let me show you why I say this and then we'll close. Philippians 4 starting in verse 4 says this, the apostle Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Get this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will what? Guard your hearts, and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Okay. The Apostle Paul is saying, okay, the best defense against a, a wandering and sinful heart is a good offense of filling your time with worship of Jesus. (laughs) He says, literally, if you're spending your days rejoicing in the gospel, striving to be a kind and reasonable believer, rejecting anxiety and surrendering everything to the Lord in prayer, God himself will guard your heart. You're not excited enough. God himself will guard your heart. Yes, that's what we want, right? I'll just be the first to say it. 
if the protection of my heart is up to me, I'm toast. Anybody else? I'm toast if that's up to me. I need God to protect me from me. It's true. It's true. I need God to protect me from me. My greatest enemy in this life is not Satan. My greatest enemy is Tad Anderson when he's not trusting Jesus. Prayerless, out of the word, distracted Tad, let me tell you the truth, that dude is a mess. That dude's a mess. He's a spiritual liability. And so I am going to work my tail off to make sure nobody ever has to meet him again. Okay. And the way that I do that is by staying close to Jesus, worshiping Jesus every day. He guards me. He protects me from stupid and sinful me. He directs my path where it needs to go. So, you want to guard your heart? You want to guard your heart? You need wise guidance for your heart? (laughs) Go to Jesus. Stick with Jesus. Nobody can do it except him. Okay? And stick with other people who know this about themselves too. All right? Get in a group. Get in men's and and women's ministries. Get on a serve team. Find people who you can trust to walk with you and to help you. People who will counsel you. People who will speak the truth in love to you. Listen, you want to get wisdom? Get Jesus. You want to get wisdom? Get Jesus. Get into his word Get into his family, because that is where wisdom is found. That's where you'll learn to understand your heart, and that's where your heart will be safe. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us. God, help me. I do not desire after preaching to others, to be disqualified. So help me to discipline my own body, to seek the wisdom that's only found in Christ. Help me to understand my own heart. God, I do not claim to fully understand it yet, and I'm a long way from it. (laughs) Father, help us to be a people who not only strive to understand our hearts, but who want to guide and guard our hearts, and who know that the only way to do it is by trusting Jesus and getting that new heart through that new birth that only he can give. Help us, God. If there are men or women in this room today who know they need a new heart, Or feel like, God, you're doing heart surgery on them right now. You're doing a heart transplant. God, I pray that they would not run from that or reject that, but they would would lay into that and know that you are good. You're doing that for their good. You're giving them a new birth and a new life. 
as you give them a new heart that loves you and pursues you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.